0: Good morning church family, lovely to have you here, oh good morning, <laughs> lovely to have you guys here on this lovely long weekend, Woohoo! kids are coming in, coming from the foyer, come find yourself a row, not a seat because we're going to stand, fantastic, welcome kids, good to have you guys with us this morning, how about you stand to your feet church, should we try that again? Morning Grant. Good morning church. How are we doing this morning? (laughs) It was almost like a Mexican wave. Finally all there together. Fantastic. God is a good God. Does anyone believe that this morning? Yeah. Yeah. So we serve a good God. And this morning as we come into the house of God, I don't know what your week been like. Mine's been pretty special, but I'm going to make the choice this morning to worship God and to praise Him and to give thanks to God, right? Because we enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. And the most beautiful thing I think about God is the way that He exchanges things with us. So He exchanges, you know, our sorrow and He can give us joy. Yeah, He can exchange our, our weariness and give us strength. That's a beautiful exchange, if you ask me. So when you, when you come this morning, if you feel like you haven't got much to offer, that's okay. That's quite a good thing, actually, because God wants to exchange it this morning for something even better. Yeah? All right. So I don't know if you got dancing shoes on, but we're about to praise our God with everything we've got. So let's go.
1: For the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come singing unto thy Lord, everlasting joy shall be upon his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come singing unto thy Turn to singing and dancing, dancing. For their weeping is but it's for only evening. for an evening But joy comes in the morning Let there be joy Come on, let's put it here you this morning All right, it's a little bit different But I want to hear you say,
0: it's coming All right, so we we'll point to you And you go, it's coming, all right here we
1: It's time
2: one time is coming
1: everybody's sing
3: God, thank you for your joy. Who is, um, who's happy to be here this morning? Woo, good response, I love it. Um, so I'll tell you a little story, like this last week I've sort of been, uh, do you ever get to a point where you sort of down on yourself a little bit, you go, oh I haven't read my Bible enough and I haven't prayed enough and maybe I haven't talked to enough people about God and then you know, I was milking one day and uh, God reminded me that it isn't about me, it's not about what I've done, it's about what He's done. So when we come here this morning and we praise our God, we do it not from a place of where we are, but because we're a place we've been lifted to. We have been redeemed. We have joy because of what He has done. So that's uh, that's awesome. So i just pray, Lord God, thank you for your joy. Thank you no matter where we are, what we've done. We can still have joy because we have joy in you, Lord God. We have joy in what you have done. And uh, we come here and we praise you and we lift you high and we call you our God because that is what you've done. is what you are. Amen. Amen. Wow, well, you guys may take a seat. Welcome to Activate Church this morning. It is awesome to see all you people who didn't go away on holiday. <laughs> We're not the only ones. <laughs> um, if you are new here or you're a visitor, like it's your first or second time maybe, Uh, Welcome first of all, it is awesome to have you here, I hope you guys have been warmly welcomed, I hope you found the coffee machine, Uh, and on your way out, don't leave now, but after the gathering, on your way out, see at the back table over there, there is a lovely looking lady waving her hands, hey Dominique, everyone say hi Dominique, well done, Uh, she's got a bag, Grab, grab, grab one of those bags on your way out, it'll tell us a little bit about who we are and uh, also helps us to find out a little bit about you guys and it's probably got a couple of goodies in there too, I believe. Yeah. Awesome. So who has had a birthday, a birthday, not a birthday, a birthday or an anniversary this week? Bye! <laughs> Come up here Mullo, and everyone else. <laughs> Where's Gabby? Okay, <laughs> so come up here guys, how many years have you been married Mola? Four,
2: I don't know why or how she's stuck with
3: me for four years but she deserves a medal. Neither do we, no just kidding mate, we love Mula. He's he's awesome. Awesome, so you guys have all had birthdays? Birthdays? Oh wedding anniversary, how many years? 19, 19. that is awesome, big hand. Oh, another winning anniversary. How many years, guys? 38. 38, woo! I love it. That's an inspiration. That is so cool. All right, well, we'd love to bless you guys and pray for you guys. So if we all stand up and and we'll pray for them. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity, purpose, and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one in Jesus' name, Amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And we'll get that medal out to Gabby. No. All right. Uh, We've got a few highlights now. Uh, Firstly, I want to say, who? Put your hand up if you were part of the muckin' last week. I. You guys did so, so well. It was awesome. So, thank you for being part of that. I know we really blessed our community. Uh, all right. Who knows what the light party is? I like, apparently, I like making people put their hands up. <laughs> okay. So, the light party, it's not just a kids' event. So, this is something we as a church put on for our community. So, there's going to be 400 kids in this room. There's going to be all their parents and caregivers out in the foyer. We've got an under fives area in the downstairs cafe. And so we really need your help. This is a church-wide event, so we need every one of you to go, hey, I want to be a part of that. We want to do a really good job of hosting our community, of making them feel blessed, of showing them Jesus Christ, and they're coming into our house. So I reckon that every one of you, if you could come along and help us, would be awesome. So there will be sign-up sheets, I believe, at the hub. You can sort of be on the barbecue. I think last year we cooked 839 sausages. So yeah, it'd be be awesome if you could all come be a part of that. Uh, This month as part of CIA, we've also got our food drive. So we want to bless people who are, are less fortunate than us. So there's a table in the foyer, I believe, and there's multiple different ways you can do that. So like really, really get involved. Uh, we love our community. We want to bless our community. We want to see them thrive. And just this is another way we can do it, to support them. And uh, lastly, this Tuesday, there is no prayer gathering. None. None whatsoever. No, I know. So many said, everyone go, oh, I know. We love prayer gatherings. We love praying together. But uh, this Tuesday, no prayer gathering. Okay. So with that, kids... You may stand up and exit stage left. Left, well it's my left, it's your guys right. (laughs) Go right, no, no, go right. (laughs) Bye. Okay, and as the kids are leaving, we have a baby dedication. Who loves babies? I love babies. The older I get and the older my kids get, the more I love other people's babies. not my own. (laughs) So Ray's going to come up now and lead us in there.
2: Thanks so much, Tim. How are you doing? Great to see you this morning. Doing well? Good. Very good. Well, Pastor Sheridan and Jan say hi. They're having a well-earned break this weekend. So they send you their love. But it's my pleasure to invite um, Chris and Catherine and Isabella and their family and friends to come on up to the stage as we dedicate Isabel to the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? It really is. So let's give them a hand as they come. Wow, doesn't she look beautiful? Have a look at her church in a pink, gorgeous. Wow. Man, Come on family Great to have grandparents And cousins and aunties and uncles And friends Absolutely wonderful Wow So Isabel is four months old Just a bit over And she's a wonderful bonny, Healthy young girl God loves family He loves us as a family And He loves your family God is all about family. Isn't that so cool? And it's so good to be gathered together as family to be able to dedicate Isabel to the Lord. The name Isabel is of French origin. I guess you know all of this. But we don't. And it means to pledge to God. And Isabel's second name is Lynette, which means image. So here is one being pledged, one who's created, one who's made in the image of God. And it's so good to be able to acknowledge that this morning. Bringing children to be dedicated to the Lord is something not new, but it's been from the very earliest of biblical times. In Psalm 127 we read, Sons, daughters, children are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from Him. And today we acknowledge that, first of all, our children are a gift from God. And as we come together, want to acknowledge that. We want to dedicate Isabel and give her back as a gift to the Lord as Chris and Catherine have the responsibility and the privilege of seeing her grow and develop as a young woman in, in the ways of the Lord. We're told in one Samuel that Hannah brought her son Samuel and dedicated him to the Lord and likewise Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple and had him as dedicated as well. So the same way Chris and Catherine are doing that this morning. I want to read you a verse from Deuteronomy. It's a lovely verse. And I want to get your yes and amen on this. And here it goes. Deuteronomy 6. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. You must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as a reminder. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. Dedication is a partnership between God God and the parents of the child being dedicated. So Chris and Catherine, do you dedicate or give Isabel to be dedicated to the Lord to see her grow and train her in the ways of the Lord? Yes. Isn't that good? That's very good. Well, I'm going to see if Isabel's going to come to me. Um, I'm going to ask you, Chris, if you can hold the mic. With me. <laughs> let's pray father we thank you for this special family father we thank you for Chris and Catherine and the generations that have gone before them and lord we come today lord and we present we dedicate lord Isabel Lynette come to you may your hand of grace and favour be upon her Lord, one who has pledged to you, one who's created in your image. And Father, I pray as she grows and develops, may your grace and your favor be ever present on her. May she be one that carries, Lord, your word. May she be one that sows your word to see, Lord, great fruitfulness abound wherever she goes. May she bring great joy to her parents and to her family. Father, may she be one that, Lord, gives her all to Whatever she puts her hand to, knowing that you're with her, knowing that you've made her. And so, Father, we declare your blessing upon her. Bless her coming and her going. Lord, cause your face to shine upon her and to be gracious to her, both now and forevermore. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you guys. Wow. I don't want to drop her as I pass her over. <laughs> Let's give them a big hand. Congratulations. Well done, guys. Congratulations to you all. Parents, grandparents, friends, and family. Wonderful to have you with us. Awesome. Well, church, we're going to continue with our worship. So i ask the team to come forward. That would be great. Thanks, notes. Beautiful
0: must do the heart of God so good, the Father heart of God so good to see his little ones coming back to him, yeah? Oh, as a being a parent, you just look at things so much differently. (laughs) I think the heart of Father God is so warm towards his children, not just the littlest ones, but each of us. We're his children. And when we come to him and we lift our voices, it does his heart so good to hear his children love upon him how many people here are parents anyone got children or aunties and are you auntie and uncle or grandparent yeah or brother or sister yeah when they come to you and they say I love you it's like oh yeah does your heart good this morning how about you stand and how about you tell your papa God your father God you love him Imagine how his heart is going to mount towards you this morning. Because he loves you so much. But he longs to hear you tell him to.
1: Of the face Cause I know you love me And I know you found me And I know you saved me And your grace will never fail, never fail. And while I'm waiting I, I'm not waiting
0: The moment, are you, are you facing sickness in your body? Are you waiting because you've lost a loved one? Are you in a waiting because you haven't seen breakthrough in your circumstance right now? This song says, While I'm waiting, while I'm waiting for dot dot dot, I'm not waiting because heaven can come in our situation, in our moment, yeah. Though it's not perfect, though it, not, it hasn't been completed yet, that's not going to happen to heaven in its full entirety. But while I'm waiting for that, I'm not waiting. Because heaven, heaven, what can heaven do in your circumstances? What can heaven do in your heart and your mind today, this morning? So let's sing that again, while I'm
1: waiting. But while I'm waiting, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting no heaven. I've got to say it with a bit more authority. While I'm waiting, while I'm waiting, I'm not, I'm not waiting no heaven.
2: It's love for each one of us, yes. the Lord. You love us, you found us, and you saved us by your grace. Father, our response is thank you. Yes. Thank you for the awesome God you are. Thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you willingly came and gave your life and shed your blood that our sins may be completely washed away. Jesus, thank you that you rose from the grave and are seated at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus, as you rose, so we are risen with you in new life. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your life that dwells within each one of us. And Father, we lift our every family member to you. Lord, those that maybe are not with you, Maybe those that have drifted from you. Father, we pray your love and your grace. Lord, find them and draw them home. Draw them into your presence, Lord, where there is fullness of joy and pleasures eternal. Thank you for the awesome God you are. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, God is good? He is indeed. Well, great to see you on Labor Weekend. You doing well? Yeah, Labor Weekend. Well, doesn't the year go by quickly? Here we are. The third week, yeah, third week of October and Christmas is not far away. Well, I want to encourage you to put your feet up today uh, because it's Labor Day or Labor Weekend after all, because I'm going to be talking about work and I want you to feel very relaxed and very at ease as we talk about work and taking a fresh look at work. And I think it would be good for us. I don't know how many messages you've heard about work. Uh, But I thought it would be good to have a look at the whole area of work from a fresh biblical perspective. So, um, And it doesn't matter whether you're in a job at the moment or looking for a job or whether you're retired or whether you're a homemaker. This applies to everyone. There is something here today for everybody. So don't feel you're not included if you don't have an eight to five job. You are. So you're part of this. So that's very cool. I want to share a story with you. Uh, When I was a young teenager, it was a labor weekend, and my dad said, we're going to go to the beach, which I thought, oh, great, that's good. The next part that followed, really, from my perspective, wasn't good. He said, we're going to go and collect wood. And I thought, Dad, I want to go to the beach to swim and have some fun, go fishing in the river that ran into the, 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 the beach. And he said, no, we're going to go and collect wood. And so we went to a beach, we were living in Palmerston North at the time, and we went to a a west coast beach called Akatir. Does anybody know Akatir at all? Yeah, it's on the Wairapa coast, it's not a very well known beach because there's not a lot to know about the beach. It's pretty uh, rough really, It's, it's windswept and there's lots of stones, there's some good reefs there. But my dad grew up there as a boy and I think he always wanted to go back there and show me about the things that he used to do as a kid. And, of course, he said, we're going to go and collect some wood. And so off we go. We, we get to the beach. And when he said wood, I thought he meant just small twi- twigs and, you know, little logs. But when he said wood, this is not an exaggeration. He meant logs like this. And uh, I said to him, you've got to be joking. He said, no, we're going to get Logs massive logs, and we had our trailer, which was a re- he he, built, he was an engineer, so he built the trailer so it could take tons and tons and tons of stuff. And uh, so I don't know how we got these logs on, but we got two or three logs. They were massive things. They would have come down from the bush into the river, got washed up onto the beach, and we got these massive logs on the trailer. And then we're taking them home, and then it dawned on me, oh no, he's going to expect me to cut them. <laughs> you want me to cut them. I was thinking. So I said, Dad, you're going to get a chainsaw, aren't you? No. Well, how are we going to cut them? So I got a big pit saw. It's, you know, it's it's honestly it's about two and a half meters long, the saw with the handles on each end. And I thought, oh no, from this labor weekend to the next one, I'm going to be cutting logs. And and that's the way it was. And I can tell you, I hated the sight of logs and pit saws after that. For him, he was caught in the romance of it, you know. Went back to his beach when he was a kid, showed me there. He used to be on a pit saw with his brothers cutting um, logs. And he wanted me on the end of it, I guess. And so it was really cool for him. But the last thing I wanted to do, and from that moment on, I thought, I'm never going to have a wood fire in my house. And we don't either. I just push the gas button because I don't want to cut any more logs, (laughs) particularly not from Akatea Beach and not with a pit saw. And uh, so I I can honestly say I hated cutting logs. And, um, you know, there's lots of people in the world today that hate their jobs. And I hated logs. And I was reading about the London Business and Finance School, and they did some research. And they found some very interesting findings. And uh, this this research was carried out in uh, in 2015. And they interviewed 1,000 males and female professionals of different ages across the UK. And they found that 47, almost half of that group, uh, were looking for a new job. And that about 20% of them were going to change in the next year. They were hoping for better salary, a better life work balance and improved job satisfaction. And here's what they found. Those that were 18 to 24, almost 7 out of 10 people wanted to go and change their job. Those that were 25 to 35, uh, about two-thirds. And those that were 55 or over, only 20% wanted to change their jobs. And um, as they continued their study, they they found that in London, over half the people wanted to change their careers. Over half of them. And 45% of them said they had made the wrong career choice. Isn't that incredible? 45% said they had made the wrong career choice. They really regretted it. I'm pleased I wasn't a woodcutter because I know I'd be regretting that choice. But 45% said they wanted to change their job. And if they were under 25, that level rose to 65%. Isn't that incredible? So there's a lot of unhappy people out there. And I would think it's probably, it may not be the same, but there's a lot of people in New Zealand that are not happy with their jobs. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're not particularly happy with your job. The good thing is you're not cutting wood. Not with a pit saw. And today we've got chainsaws and they're a lot cheaper than what they used to be. But as I was preparing this, I came across... um, a a paper written by Dorothy Sayers. She was a Christian writer. She was born in 1835. And uh, she wrote um, an article called, Why Work? And she says a couple of interesting things. I want to read them to you. She says, society as a whole, and individuals in particular, are dying because they do not have a revolutionary, biblical framework nor understanding of work. She says, in the Bible there's a view of the work, of view of work that is absolutely revolutionary. She goes on to say in modern society this is in the 1800s in 1860 when she wrote it I think uh, she goes on to say people in the modern society are dying for a lack of it. She says our society is not hurting from it but individuals are hurting because they don't have a biblical perspective. What she is saying is the modern doctrine of work has replaced the biblical doctrine of work and the modern doctrine of work being you work, for a, you work for a living, you work so you can make money to do what you really want to do, you work so you can get your identity, you work hard that's so someday I can get rest, and you work from a place of being driven because I want to be better. That was very interesting. So... I thought we'd take a biblical view of work, and we'll start in the book of Exodus. Who wants to do that? Let's have a look at what the Bible says. The Bible's got some revolutionary things to say about work. Who would like to have their work revolutionized? Well, that's overwhelming. That is really impressive. I see three hands. I'm going to ask that a question again. Who would like to be revolutionized in the way that they do their work? Well, that's a little bit better. Man, you're a hard bunch this morning. I know it's labor weekend, but you've got to get a little bit more alive with it. And of course, there's lots of reasons why people don't enjoy the work. Probably the most common one is because of broken, difficult, or fractured working relationships. It would probably be the most common. Then there's another reason they don't pay me enough. I need more money. And of course, another, it's just not the right group. I'm just not designed for this. But of course, people being unhappy in their work is nothing new to our society. It's not new to the 1800s. And uh, let's go to the uh, first book or first chapter of Exodus. And there you'll find a group of people that are pretty unhappy. So in Exodus chapter 1, verse 11, uh, and this is the story of the Israelites as they're in Egypt. Uh, They were led there originally, as you know, Joseph was there, and then the families were established. And now the population of the Hebrews is growing rapidly uh, in Israel, and the Egyptians are concerned about the rapid increase in the number of people. And so they're developing a strategy of how they can contain them, because they're afraid that they actually might take arms and overthrow the Egyptian government. And so this is what it says in Exodus 1, verse 11. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build cities of Pithrom and Ramses as supply centers for the kings. So here they are being driven by slave drivers. I'm sure if the London Business School asked those guys, are you happy in your work? I'm sure they would say nope. It'd be worse than cutting logs, I reckon. And um, so here they are. They're in this very perplexed, difficult position, and they're crying out to the Lord for a deliverer, crying out, God, help us. We're being worked so hard. We hate our work, and we've got to get deliverance from our work. And so <clears throat> Moses is appointed the leader, and then there's the story as we go through the book of Exodus, and what's really, really interesting in the book of Exodus is that it's the story of the people of Israel, the Hebrews, coming out of Egypt and into the land of Israel. But a third of the book, at the end, talks about building a tabernacle or a tent of meeting where the presence of God can be. And it's incredible that Here is this book of the story of people, of the Hebrews coming out of Egypt, that a third of their story is about building a tent or a tabernacle for the presence of God. If you know the Old Testament well, the book of Leviticus is all about uh, the priestly order of things, and you'd think the description of a building about how the tabernacle went would be in the book of Leviticus, but we find over a third of it is in the book of Exodus. So it's very, very interesting, I think. And so in the book of Exodus, it starts with the slavery of the Egyptians over the Israelites and climaxes with a covenant that God makes with the people of Israel at Mount Sinai. And here is all this emphasis on the tabernacle. But as they're going through the story, what's really, really interesting with these people, these people are known for a couple of things. One, they're known as complainers, as they're moving out of Egypt under their slave drivers, they begin to complain. And so let's go to Exodus 14, verses verses 11 to 12. Exodus 14, verses 11 to 12. And they're having a bit of a bad day. It's like me going off at my dad about cutting up the logs. Why don't you get a chainsaw? Why do we have to do this for? And they said to Moses in verse 11, "'Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness?' Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Why have you done this to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we we're still in Egypt? We said, Leave us alone. Let us be the slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. It's a pretty bad down the office, isn't it? After crossing the sea, they continued to complain first about the lack of water, then about the, that the water was bitter, then regarding the lack of food. And then about the lack of water again. It's tough. Here's Moses and all these people are complaining. I remember, I've shared this some time ago, but some of you may not have heard it. We moved up to Hamilton from Palmerston North, leaving the wood. And I did leave a pile of wood back there. And uh, we came up here in 2000, 2001. Uh, my oldest daughter, Jess, she was 13, a teenager. She knew everything about life, as teenagers often do. And as we came up here, and I remember saying goodnight to her one night as she was going to bed, and she said to me, Dad, why did you bring us up here? How how could you? I have no friends. I don't know anybody. How could you do this to me? Well, I was gutted. I felt I had just a, a sword go right through my heart. I thought, yeah, how could I do this? How could I bring her up here with no friends and knowing nobody and all this sort of thing? A bit like the Israelites, I could imagine how Moses felt just going, what on earth have I done? And I remember saying this. I said, Lord, this is, this is after about two or three weeks. It might have been a little bit longer. I can't quite remember now. It was on a Saturday I think that was said and obviously we came to church the next day and I said, Lord, you better give me a word while I'm packing my bags and I'm going back home. Because I was really upset about my baby being upset. And um, Pastor Nick was preaching that day and he read a scripture from Psalm 107. He said, this is for somebody today. And I came from a small town. And this is what the Scripture said. I will lead them straight and safely to a city where they could live. And I thought, oh, my goodness. In spite of all the pain and all the difficulty, God had led us here. And this is where he wanted us to be. And then, awesome. And so here's Moses. He's facing all this, this pressure. And so he's getting all these complaints from the, the Israelites. And the, the complaints are just coming in. Constantly, you could just imagine how he feels, and then guess what? God shows up and does all these miracles for them. They walk through the the, the Red Sea, they get manna from heaven, they get quail, they get water out of a rock. The miracles just don't stop happening. Let's just pick up a couple of them in Exodus 16, verse 9 and 10. Then Moses said to Aaron, Announce this to the whole entire community of Israel. Present yourself before the Lord, for He has heard your complaining. God takes note of our complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked out toward the wilderness where they could see the awesome glory of God in a cloud. So here's this, a God shows up in a cloud. How would that be? If we come to church this morning and there's a cloud in the corner, the glory of God. This is the people of Israel seeing this miracle. And then in, in verse, uh, on it goes to verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have all the bread you want. It's Father Christmas is here, kids. Man, there's a cloud, there's bread, there's meat. I'm turning it all on. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew and uncovered the camp. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, it is the food the Lord your God has given you to eat. So God's just turning it all on. Feeling hungry today, Lance? There's some bread. Feeling hungry today, Nori? Here's some quail. Feeling thirsty today, Wendy? Just read what happens in Exodus 17, verse 6. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock, Moses, and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock, rock as he was told, and water gushed out, and the elders looked on. So we've got bread, we've got meat. Now we've got water. God is turning it all on. And guess what the people do? They complain. They complain and you go, oh my goodness, you've got bread, you've got water, you've got meat, and you're complaining? Just seems a little, little bit strange. And I think here's the amazing one in Exodus 19 verse 11. This is the only time in the history of a nation... That God appears to the whole nation, Exodus nineteen eleven. Be sure to be ready on the third day, for on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watched. Reading on at verse eighteen, all of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire, and smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. So here's God giving all these miracles, bread, meat, water, provision, cloud by day, fire by night. The whole nation sees the presence of God, and guess what? Moses goes up a mountain, and they make a golden calf. Really? Really? all this complaining, all this miraculous provision, and your leader goes up the mountain to talk with God, and then we make a calf. Really? You could just imagine how God would feel. What else can I do to mature these people? And here's the thing. If an unprecedented sequence of miracles cannot mature, a response, or bring a maturity in people, whatever will. Whatever will. Well, God, being God, He has an answer. Do you want to know what the answer is? It's profound, and it's simple, but it's profound. And this is His answer. His answer to all the complaining. His answer, you know, providing all the miraculous provision. He says, got an answer for it. And this is what it is. Let them build something together. Let them work. Exodus 25, 8. This is really key. I want you to really listen to this. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. Exodus 25, 9. You must build this tabernacle or this tent And its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. Verse 27, verse 8. The altar must be hollow from the planks. Build it just as you were shown on the mountain. The simple command to build, to work, to create, to make, absolutely transformed the Israelites. And it's no different for you and I. And here's the thing. Moses tells the people, commands the people, we're going to build this tent of meeting. And this is what happens they get to work. The whole community begins to work. And guess what? There's no complaints, there's just none. And here's the other thing the people begin to contribute. They bring their gold, their silver, their bronze. Their skins, their drapes, their other skills and ability. They gave so much of their possessions and their talents, and that's miraculous. We can read that in Exodus 36 verse 3. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent through the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough so the people stop bringing their sacred offerings. That's miraculous. And here's the thing. They were complaining. God provides every miraculous provision for them. The leader goes up a hill and they make a calf. And God goes, that don't work. I know what works. We'll get a community working together. We'll put a community to work. That process, there is not complaining. That process is miraculous. And this is what the story of Exodus is about. It's not what God does for Just hear me on this, please. It's not what God does for us that transforms us. It's what we do with God and for God that changes us. If you just sit here and wait for God to fill your lap, that's not going to change you. But if you're going to get up and say, Lord, I'm going to use the gifts and ability you have given me, if you've given me hands to cut wood, use it to cut wood. If He's given you hands to bake bread, use the hands to bake bread. If He's given you hands to care for the sick and elderly, use those hands to do that. And it's as you work, God works through you. That's the miracle of how God meets need. Here's the thing. is so long as every crisis that the Israelites faced was met by complaining and God handing on a plate for them, they were going to be immature. But the moment God says, work and apply yourselves, I'm at work amongst you, they grow and they develop to become the mature people God has called them to be. Isn't that amazing? I think I've, I've, I've got a family member, and uh, Wendy knows him well. He's a little bit distant from us. And I used to, when I was growing up, I used to be a little bit jealous of him because his mother would do everything for him. I had to make my bed. He had his bed made. Uh, I had to make my lunch some days. He had his lunch made every day. But this was, wasn't when he was five or six. This was when he was 25 or 26. <laughs> How come your mum does that for you? What was really interesting, he got married. (laughs) And she said, no way, Jose. So he had to make his own lunch. (laughs) It wasn't very good lunch. Had to make his own bed. Ah, flag that one, that's too difficult. But what had happened when, and, and this is where it's applicable to parents, isn't it? That if we don't encourage our children to work, we actually are holding back their growth onto maturity. And so although I hated cutting up logs, one thing it taught me was how to work. I don't want to cut another one up, though. But it taught me how to work. And so I want to really encourage you, mums and dads, giving your children chores is really, really good because you're developing them and you're maturing them into a place of independence and maturity. The Jewish sages would used to say this, of your children, don't call them your children, call them your builders. In other words, train them through work, develop them through work. And the beautiful thing about what had happened as the Israelites built the tabernacle and worked together, they had become partners with God in creation. They were partnering with God in creation, and God partners with you today in the creative work that you do. That's what I so enjoyed about Muckin Day. Wasn't that so good last week? It was fantastic. I love the. I was with um, Simon and, and Rachel and Kristen and, and, and um, Rachel and the team painting the alleyway down at, at Enderley Park, and. I was just thinking, what was so cool about it? Is I'm going, God and God and me is at work as an artist painting fence pails. Rachel was pretty good at it, and um, but we we're painting these French pails. Me was pretty good at it as well. Just there we are painting these pails. But what's the amazing thing? As a community, we were all working, and God was amongst us. God was building us, as we were co-creators with him, making the world a better place in Enderley. Isn't that awesome? And, of course, not only was it happening in Enderley, it was happening around the schools and various other places and church as well. So it's very encouraging. So I want to encourage you. You are a co-creator with God this morning. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a co-creator with God. Here's the other thing. We need to be very mindful of what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out a special favor on me and not without results. So God has poured his favor. He's poured giftings. He's poured abilities into each one of us, which makes us unique, which makes us different, which is good. And praise God for the uniqueness that we each carry. So God poured out his favor on me. Here's how Paul responds without results. And listen to this. It doesn't say, for I have sat back and enjoyed life and waited for it all to happen. He says, for I have worked. I have worked. I have co-labored. I am a co-creator with God. I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me By His grace. By His grace. So all our work is God working for us. And here's the thing. You know, we pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. God doesn't go, Lance, here is the bread from heaven. Here is the manna. It's just dropping out of the sky. That happened to these people in Israel. It was miraculous. And they were complaining. And God goes, if, I, if they complain and I provide for them, that won't mature them. I'm not going to go back to that model. I'm going to give them their daily bread, but this is how I give daily bread. This is how God does it. The grace of God that's in Sue. Sue's a farmer. She plants the wheat that grows up. God gives the water. Lance, he's the harvester by the grace of God, and him, God's working through him. So he harvests it. Then it goes to the factory, and it gets processed, and then it goes to the baker. And this is God working through each person or business or group to provide our daily bread. And so therefore, nobody can say church work is more sacred than what we would call secular work. There shouldn't be a divide. All work brings honor to God. All work is co-laboring with Jesus as God meets needs amongst us through each of us. Here's the thing, though. We've got to be careful, as it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17. It's easy to slip into the thought, because I'm doing this work and creating wealth, it's all about me. And the Lord warns about that attitude, and it says, My power and the strength of my hands have provided this wealth for me. That is not the case. It's God's grace at work in us and through us. So the building of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, was the first major project that the Israelites undertook together. And it involved their generosity, and it involved their skill. And it gave them the chance to give back to God by His grace a little bit back to God of all that they had given upon Him. And it created on them the dignity of labor and of the joy of creative work. Isn't that wonderful? Building community. Building society as we work together is central to the theme of Exodus. And really it's about what we allow God to do through us for others is the key thing. I'm just conscious time is moving on, isn't it? What I love about the story that we've been focusing on this morning, Genesis begins with God creating the universe as a home for human beings. That's how Genesis starts. And Exodus ends with human beings creating a tabernacle as a home for God. And God does that as we work with Him. And He calls us, and this is what I love about the Fresh Perspective, is that when you go out to work this week, God is at work in you and through your giftedness to make a difference for the people around you. And you're co-laboring with Jesus. You're co-laborers with Him, creating a better place around our worlds. Hence, the basic principle of work, the biblical principle of work, is that we are called to become co-creators with God. And hence, too, the corollary that leaders do not do the work on behalf of people. They teach people how to do work themselves. Good leadership is about empowering people. It's not so much about what God does for us, but what we do with God, for God, through the grace of God, to reach out with dignity and responsibility. A little bit of a different way to look at it, isn't it? This is what Acts 20.35 says. And I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of Jesus. It is more blessed to give than Receive. So I want to say to you this morning, whether you have work, whether you're looking for work, whether you're a homemaker, whether you're retired, it's more blessed to give than receive. It's more blessed to co-create with God to make the world a better place than looking out for, gee, what can the world owe me? It hasn't owed me enough. It needs to give me more going, no, Lord, I'm a co-creator with you, and I'm going to make the world a better place through the grace of God and through the capacity of to work, whether I'm paid or not. Isn't that a good place to be? You don't look inspired about that one. <laughs> whether it's cutting logs, whether it's baking cakes, whether it's helping with people, remember this week, you're a co-creator with Jesus to bring His goodness wherever. I want to finish finally on this verse here. Um, And maybe you could do this sometime during the week. Do you remember when God created the heavens and the earth? How many days did it take? Six. And what did he do on the seventh day? Rested. He took a break. When we start work, he says, start with a rest and get into your work. But one of the things that God does after each day of creation, it says, he looked back over and said it was good. He did a bit of a reflection. Got to day two, did a bit of a reflection. It's good. Day three, day four, day five, day six. And finally, on day seven, as he reflects on it, hey, that's very good. I want to encourage you to give yourself space to reflect over your work this week and see how God is working through you and see the the goodness that your work is doing. Wouldn't that be a good thing to do? Here's what it says in Galatians 6. I'm going to finish with this scripture. Pay careful attention to your own work for then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself with anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. So God is encouraging us, just as He looked over His work and rejoiced in it, said that was good, so look over your work and rejoice in it. And as we do that, the value that we are creating with God we can see the fruitfulness of God at work. And that's got to be good. It's good when we do it individually. It's good when we do it as a family. And it's wonderful when we do it as a church family. So as you go out this week, enjoy your labor weekend. Start with a really good rest. And remember, you're a co-creator with God. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the wonderful privilege of work. Lord, I know we've come with all sorts of different attitudes. I know I look at my own journey where I thought I had to, I got to. But Father, I pray that we'd see work as something that we have the privilege and the joy of co-laboring with you. To see the world transformed, to see through our work as you work amongst us, as you work in us, as you work through us, as your grace empowers us, To make a difference in our city, in our community. May the city of Hamilton be truly blessed by your people. Lord, not only of our church, but all the churches through the city. As they would give, as they would work with you to see the city blessed. And people's lives impacted for good in Jesus' name. Just while every head is bowed and eye is closed. and If you're here this morning, you're going, look, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you once did. Maybe you're thinking that I need to. Maybe you know that deep in your life and deep in your heart that I need to live for God rather than living for myself. If that's you this morning and say, I want a fresh start, I want to live for God, I want to stop going my own way and begin going His way. While every eye is closed and head is bowed, can you give me a wave? It's cool. It's cool. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. We're going to stand shortly and sing. Uh, Before we do, though, if you're a guest with us this morning, we thank you for being with us. We love having you with us as you go. You're most welcome to help yourself to a white pack, and there you'll find details about the life of Activate and if you want us to connect with you, we'd love to do so. So leave your details with us. Also remind you to be purposed in your giving. As you leave today, we have the giving stations on the left-hand side in the foyers. So God bless you as you give. So why don't we stand and sing? Thanks, notes. That would be cool. Awesome. <laughs> have a really enjoyable weekend. God bless.
0: Fantastic! All right, stand to your feet. Thank you, Pastor Ray. Fantastic. Oh, it's going to be a good day. It may have been raining outside, but you guys are in a good place. <laughs> it's not raining anymore. Awesome. We're going to sing, thank you, Lord, for saving me. You still feeling a little bit more grateful now? <laughs> we know we are saved, but I'm hoping that there will be more people that will be saved in the next few weeks, yeah? because of what we do in our workplaces where we go.
1: Let's
3: hands high. Come on, bless him now. Say, Lord, you are good. You are mercy, good.
1: Mercy,
3: endure it forever. I'm looking at a generation who knows how good he is. Lord, you are
1: good. Yeah.